Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I want us as a church, I want to recalibrate a, a little bit our focus, and, and I, I'm going to be preaching from Ecclesiastes, and so if you got that Bible open, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, that's where we're going to be, we're going to read verse 7 in chapter 11 to verse 8 of chapter 12, um, yeah, I know it sounds like a lot, it's not that much, but if you would, and you're able, go ahead and stand back to your feet, uh, we're going to read the word of God together as we honor it on our feet verse 7 of chapter 11, and we'll read through chapter 8, I mean chapter 12, verse 8. If you got it, go ahead and say, got it. All right, here now the reading of God's word. It says, light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Chapter 12. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. For the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few. And those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors of the street are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low, they are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond trees blossom, the the grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home. And the mourners go about the streets before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. Very word of God, amen. This morning, I want to preach on what really matters. What really matters. Before we go any further, let us pray. Father God, I, I praise you, God give you thanks this morning. Thank you for this gathering, God. Thank you for being with us already. God, I do ask, as I ask each Sunday, that you would hide me behind your cross so that you may be lifted up in this space. Let it not be my words that are heard, but let it be your word. Increase me so that you may increase. Have your way in our hearts as well as in our ears as we now I ask, Lord, may the meditation of my heart, the words that come out of my mouth, be acceptable in your sight, for you are our Lord and our Redeemer, our rock. We give you praise 
We pray all these things in the matchless name of Jesus and everyone under the sound of my voice said together, amen, amen. You can be seated. Friends, uh, can I be honest with you a little bit more this morning? Um, as I mentioned in the beginning, this year, is it, starting the year can really be tough sometimes. It can be tough, although it's a time where we really look forward to uh, resetting a bit and restarting. Uh, you got the new year, new me. Weight loss campaigns on everything, uh, budgeting, etc. Whatever that is for you, whatever, al- whatever algorithm is on your social media feed, they're trying to reach you. The issue is, is that the world, with all the goals that we had, the world, it, it does not fit in the palm of our hands, meaning we can't do everything. And as much as we would like to do everything, the reality is, is that life somewhere along the way hits us. Things get real. And sometimes those great desires that we have for the new year turn into great burdens, for instance, I, I'm a pretty goal-oriented person. How many of you all are goal-oriented? I, I'm pretty goal-oriented. And so every year, Kaylee and I, we sit down and make a list of goals that we want to accomplish this year and things that we want to do. And as I said, it may sound really great. It sounds awesome. The problem for me is that I, I, I have this tendency, and I'm being honest with you, I have this tendency uh, to see the potential to make everything happen. I, I think we can do everything, and I can make all of these happen, uh, which in, in a way puts pressure not only on myself, but I put pressure on my family, people around me, because I want to make all these things happen. And then when it hits me, this is the funny part, when it hits me that I don't have the money to make everything happen, uh, something happens, and I sit down. And I start to feel a sense of failure. But follow me. Because in reality, it's okay that I'm not able to buy that new car. We got two in the garage that work fine. It's okay that I can't build the basketball court in the backyard that my kids want because they all play basketball. Right down the street, we got four courts. Just walk. It's okay I can't paint my whole house in new colors. It's paint on the walls. And so I should be okay. But why is it that deep down, when everything seems great, I don't feel okay? Another way to ask is, and it's not just talking about me, it may be you that I'm, I'm talking to in here, it's, it, it's for the person that, that uh, is, is so-called living their dream life right now, but yet you still want more. You, you know why this happens and you can be in one of these two places or many places where you still want more and it, this is not enough? Because inside of all of us, there's this God-shaped void That when it's not filled by Jesus, we constantly seek after things and and try to fill that void 
because we want satisfaction. Nothing else, listen to me, nothing else in this life satisfies your soul quite like Jesus. This is why no amount of money will ever satisfy you. There's no perfect job. There's no perfect marriage. There's no perfect kids. The only one who makes or allows us to feel true satisfaction in this life is Jesus. And, and you may be sitting there and you're saying, well, Pastor D, I know we're in church and you got to talk about Jesus and all, but I don't, I don't really believe that right now. You know, deep down, I, I, my 2024 goals are, are set. I'm going to do this. This is, I've declared this over my life and this is what's going to happen and you're, you're ready. You know why we, we, we really can say, I'm not, I'm not sure about everything just being in Jesus. He's given me all this thing. It's because honestly, and, and sometimes I struggle with this too. I'm being honest with y'all this morning. Sometimes I struggle with this too. It's because we haven't really reached that, that place and the point of knowing that I could gain everything on this earth that I ever want, but at the same time, I could still leave my soul wanting more. I could gain, but my soul wants something else. Friends, our flesh seeks temporary satisfaction, but our souls long for its creator, which means that without God, we're left on a lifelong journey searching for satisfaction unless we're able to step out of ourselves and sit down and say, Jesus, I need you. It's not just what I have or bring to the table. I need you, Lord. I need you. And in our text this morning, as we get into the passage, you get to see a man that had everything one could ever desire. I mean everything. And at the end of Solomon's life, he doesn't say, I wish I had more. He doesn't say, I, I wish I had done more. Avery, he doesn't say that. He says, it was all vanity. All of it's vanity, meaning that nothing compared to knowing God. Now, I got to ask you, as we enter 2024... Could you honestly say that everything that you have in life, your kids, your job, your family, the house that you have, all of these things are vanity. They don't mean anything compared to knowing Jesus. Could you honestly say that? Stop and say that none of that, it, it, it's nothing compared to knowing Jesus. I, I want you to be honest. I want you to ponder that. As we walk through our passage today, because I want us to just, I hope, I want us to seek to recalibrate our mindset a little bit. Recalibrate our hearts around the things of God. And I got three points and I'm out your way. Number one, live life but remember your creator. Live life but remember your creator. Number two, live knowing God is good. Live knowing God is good. And lastly, live knowing what is important. Live knowing what is important. As we get into our passage today, we, we have to know a little bit about the writer. So we've got to go to school a little bit. And, and you've got to know about the writer, but you also need to know a little bit about the theme of the book of Ecclesiastes. The book was written by King Solomon, uh, who was arguably the wisest man to ever walk the earth besides Jesus. And he's also the richest man who ever walked this earth. In terms of his, his wealth, he'd have been a multi-trillionaire. In today's society, we ain't got none of those, okay? Multi 
trillionaire. I didn't say billion, trillionaire. On top of that, he had everything anybody could ever want. Dude had 700 wives and 300 concubines. I did not stutter. That's a thousand women. And as, as great as y'all might think that might have been, that's what led to much of his demise, too. Because they all worship, or many of them worship, many different gods. And so Solomon, the writer of much of the wisdom literature in the Bible, including Proverbs, he also wrote Song of Solomon, and then Ecclesiastes. He's the writer of much of the wisdom literature. And with all that, it's, it's important to know all that King Solomon had because he writes in the book and in our passage today that even though he had all of these things and everything anyone could ever imagine a dream of, at the end of the day, he counted it all as vanity. Which brings us to the theme of this book, which is this. Listen, it is, the, it is a necessity. It's the necessity to fear God in a fallen, confusing, and frustrating world. The necessity to fear God in a fallen, confusing, and frustrating world. Why is that? Because as I said in the beginning, although the world may give us the facade of satisfaction, true satisfaction only comes from God. Solomon addresses this, and he opens the book in chapter 1. Look at it with me, verse 12 and 14. He says this, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all of it is vanity and striving after wind. Now, although Solomon makes the theme pretty clear here, I really believe the problem with this theme is that people get Solomon's message misconstrued. We misunderstand what he's saying because when you hear uh, the word or you hear the name Ecclesiastes, the first thing that comes to our mind is what? Everything's vanity. It means nothing. But he's really not saying that Everything's vanity in a sense that there's no hope. That's not what he's saying. It's not the, this isn't the downer book of the Bible. He's really saying it's all vanity as in that if you only live for this life, then it's all vanity. Now, this is very important to note because we live in a society that values carpe diem. Live for today, or, or YOLO, you only live once. Or in other words, make the most of every second. Make the most of every hour. Make the most of every day. And the problem with this is that we do this. And it's not bad that you make the most of it. We just make the most of every second and every hour of the day at the expense of everything else in our life. God, family, friends, we're just going to keep steamrolling over everything to get where we want to get. And I love this passage because when we look at it closely, at it, it, it keep it in context at the same time with who's writing it, Solomon, all he had, he basically says, yeah, go ahead, live it up. Live it up. Make the most of every day. But verse 12, remember your creator. Don't, don't forget who, who, who created you. Now, if we pay attention to this passage here, again, it's not like 
It's not like another book in, in the New Testament. It's not like a Pauline epistle or, or Galatians that we just walked through in Ephesians where every verse picks up on the preceding verse and, it, and, it, and it, you walk through it verse by verse and things like that. Wisdom literature doesn't really write like that. Now, this one may be a little different because it does pick up on that, but commonly we read wisdom literature wrong, like the book of Proverbs. We're reading it like the epistle. It's not like that. Sometimes the verses are very independent. They're not connected to one another. But in this passage, they do connect. There's one thing, which is he's saying, enjoy the days of your life, but remember the Lord. Because all that is gained here on this earth is vanity. Simply put, be wise and don't make this life everything. In other words, as you live your life in 2024, be careful not to forget who is important. Don't forget. See, what is happening here in the passage is that Solomon is believed. He's, be, he's, about, he's old right now. He's on his way out, and he, he's reflecting back over his life. He's looking back at the years that he's lived and all that he's gained and all that he's did. And he's saying, all that I have and all that I've done is, is vanity, if not lived within the proper moral boundaries that God has laid out for people to live in. And this is seen right off the back here in our passage, verse 7 and 8, because Solomon uses the word light and dark. Everybody say word light and dark. Light and dark, he says. Now, the words light and dark here are used as words to describe life and death. Solomon says, verse 7 through 8, light is sweet. There it is. And it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember the days of darkness. There's darkness. Darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Again, what he's saying is that the pleasures of this world and what it has to offer, they're sweet. It's sweet. But don't make them the end-all, be-all. There are many things to do. There's so much to take advantage of in this life. But just pure enjoyment in this life is not the goal. Don't miss it. God does want you to enjoy your life. Don't miss that. He does want you to enjoy your life, which is what Solomon's saying here. See, see, Jesus picks up on this juxtaposition too in John chapter 10, verse 10. He says this, look at it. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus wants you to have life. He wants you to experience it to the full on this earth and in heaven. And we got to notice this because I, I sometimes, and don't miss this, I believe that believers or people, period, we could, we could just live in this sort of morbid, pessimistic type of reality, always expecting the worst in our life, never feeling any sense of freedom or fun. I mean, if, if I just paused here and I, and I looked around this room and took a survey, especially of all you believers in here, and said, how, how would you describe the Christian walk? Most of y'all would not say fun. You would not say, oh, I feel so free every day. I'm just chipper today. Oh, my gosh. You just wouldn't say that. Most, most of us think of our lives as a Christian as that old ball and chain. You're just dragging that thing along. I got to do this because God said it. Oh, my gosh. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do this. And you just wake up every day like a robot doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over. Let me ask you. How do you have fun? 
do you really, truly enjoy life? Or maybe that's not you. Maybe you don't think of it in a robotic way. Life is this way. But maybe you you feel, and I, I kind of, I'm here sometimes too, you, you feel this burden to make things happen. You got to do something. You got to climb the ladder at the job. You have to, you got to make it. You got to be successful. And you're driven by this. And now you struggle to just smell the, the roses around you. You, you don't celebrate the wins and the things. You just on to the next thing. But let me ask you, what happens when you don't succeed? How do you feel? What, what happens when you don't get that job? What happens when that relationship that you work so hard for, it just fails? How do you feel? What happens to you? Or, or, maybe that's not you, though. Maybe you're the one that you're trapped in the past. The what ifs. It could have been this way. Or, or you're, 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 you're trapped in your mind, and you're the person where everything in your life is driven by control or fear. Because you just, you just want, you want everything to be okay in the same way. So not too much of this, not too... Not too little of this. I just, I, I, I'm good with this right here. Everything just stay the same way. I, your mentality is as long as the lights are on and, and I got food on the table, I'm good. Everything is going to be okay. It's all under control. Well, let me ask you, what happens when you miss that light bill? How do you feel? What happens when your bank account I was a little too low. How do you feel then? I mean, listen, listen, listen. None of those realities that I named off are fun. None of them are freeing. And none of them are Christian. Friends, listen. The freeing part about the Christian walk is that you don't have to control your every move in your life and what will happen next because God is sovereign. He's not only sovereign, but he promises to never leave you nor forsake you. That means he's for you and he's with you. So you can rest. You can rest in the freedom of knowing that he holds it all together. And on top of that, I mean, I mean the Christian walk is actually fun. It's actually fun because you can literally live your life without worry like a little child, knowing that your heavenly father has got the whole world in his hands. Amen. It's the song we all grew up. You know, some of y'all grew up. You aren't, we aren't even Christian, but you know this song. He's got the whole, sing it with me. His whole world. Y'all can sing. In his hands, he's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got. Go ahead. Look, I knew y'all could sing. Why y'all sing for demand? <laughs> I'm just playing. He's got the whole world in his hands. We know that song. You can live without worry. That, that, the Christian walk is fun because God's got the whole world in his hands. Now, we got to believe that. But with that, that does not mean that you won't have problems. But you can rest. You can rest assured living in freedom, having fun, 
knowing that your father, although you're in the midst of the storm or in the problem, he still got you. He's still with you. Which leads to where we're going in this passage. Because don't get it twisted. That does not mean that you can do whatever you want. I know, I, y'all thought I was going to give you a whole bunch of prosperity, you know, <laughs> go make all this money, do this. No, that's not. Solomon's saying, yes, have fun in this life and enjoy it. And don't be plagued by what might happen tomorrow or the next day or by having it all under your control. Have fun, live it up. But hear me, do so with death. And eternity in mind because eternity far outweighs anything you can gain in this life good or bad in other words here it is don't live as if you haven't been created to glorify your Creator see when we read if we read John 10 10 correctly then we don't miss it, but commonly we read it wrong. We miss what Jesus is saying. This is Jesus saying, he said, I came to give life. Remember, it's Jesus speaking. So hear me, that life that he's speaking of, this abundant life that he's, he's saying that he came to give is only found when we believe in him, nowhere else. So live it up, but do so honoring your creator, the one who gives you life, believing in him. Solomon keeps going in the passage, and he moves to verse 9. And he reminds the reader uh, to enjoy this life. But, but then he, he says, remember the Lord will bring all things into judgment. Now, now listen, I don't believe Solomon says this uh, to, to, to scare people, to necessarily scare people into following Jesus. Because that, that, that judgment or saying that this is what lies ahead, that doesn't make you live in freedom. It doesn't call someone to live in freedom. I mean, the person, uh, when, they're, when you're fearing judgment or you're fearing punishment, that doesn't cause a, a freeing spirit. That doesn't cause you to live that. No, it, it causes one to live in a way where they perform. They start to pretend. And, and friends, that, that, that's not the Christian walk. Christians work from approval. We don't, we don't, we don't work and, and live our life to pretend to perform to be something we're not. That's not what he's called us to. Friends, living from a space where you fear judgment, you fear punishment, it creates a legalistic individual who performs to get by. I think y'all missing this thing. Let me, let me make it a little more plain. It's sort of like um, for parents in here or if you remember being six, it's like a six-year-old being uh, disciplined without the understanding of why. If you... If you <laughs> If you do this, or if you're commonly like parents of old who would give you a whipping, y'all, some of y'all don't know what that is, but you get a whipping, <laughs> you get punished and sent to your room, and you, you're in a room like, what do I do? I don't know why, I, I just, I don't, did I say something wrong? Like, there's no understanding about it. What ends up happening is that child now learns how to perform because they know what, well, well, I, I don't know what, I, I, I can't do that because I'm going to get in trouble but, but on the other hand, if that child has some understanding of the love from their parents to sit down and say, hey, you did this wrong or this happened, and because of that, there's a punishment or consequence to it. I'm not saying you shouldn't have punishment and consequences for your kids. You should. There's discipline. But the understanding is needed. 
Because when they understand that they are loved and they understand why there's punishment, on the, on the back end, that child will say, you know what? I, 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 the, I know how to now act accordingly. They may not say this out loud to you, but they know how to act accordingly because they know mommy and daddy love me. And if mommy and daddy love me, then they wouldn't punish me for no reason because I know they love me. Now, now, see, now, with this understanding, it causes the child not to live out of performance, but now they live from a space of honor and respect and reverence for their parents because they know how good their parents are. They know how much they're loved by their parents. There's a big difference there. And so, in essence, Solomon, again, is saying, live life to the full, but proper enjoyment is only found within the boundaries established by God. And I know you're saying, well, Pastor D, well, how do I know what God has called me? How do I know that God is good? Well, how do I know these things are true? Well, the, the way you know how to live within what God has called you to live is being in the Word daily. That, that's why we preach the Bible here at Renewal. We're going to preach through the Word, word line by line. We're going to work through the Bible because y'all can listen. This ain't no self-help speech here at Renewal. This is not what's going to happen here on Sunday mornings here. You're going to get the Bible not only because I want you to learn it, but I want you to learn to read it because this is where you get your nourishment. This is how you know how to live, how God has called you to live as a Christian. It's not about what I say. It's about what God says. And so this is where we understand his goodness for his love for us. Again, this isn't legalistic, but it's freeing for the Christian because God, he's not, when you understand the word, he's not staring down at you, looking at you, judging your every move because Jesus died. Jesus died. So for the Christian, when you believe, when Jesus, when God looks down at you, regardless of your mess ups or your mishaps, you are now clothed. In the righteousness of Christ, you are cloaked in his blood. You are covered in his blood. There is grace, and he's looking down on you and saying, regardless of your mess-ups and your mishaps, my son or my daughter, I'm well pleased in you because of what Jesus has done. See, that's that goodness that makes us want to live according to his word. Friends, that's the, that understanding of love is what motivates the Christian. It's not how many awards we can gain. It's not me performing. It's not me making this amount of money. It's not my own significance, but instead that God has been good. And his goodness lends to me living my life every day to glorify him. Solomon, listen, he believed this so much that he goes on in the passage in verse 10 to say, all them pains that you have, <laughs> I love this part, all those pains you have, the ailments and any vexation or frustration you may be experiencing in this life, put it away from your body. Now, now listen, he's not saying you won't have issues. But instead he's saying, don't dwell on them too much. Now, we all know people that complain all the time. All, every time you meet them, they got a new body ache, new problem. Last week it was the neck. Now this week it's the back. Now the next week after that is my neck and my back. The next week after that, they're on a rerun of the commercial talking about I can't get up. <laughs> Solomon's saying, don't dwell too much on those issues, even though you have them. Go to the doctor, get some help. Don't let your problems, what he said, don't let your problems run your life. But instead, remember the Lord, because it's all vanity compared to what awaits the believer in heaven. He's saying live from a space of knowing God 
is good. Solomon, he further leans into this acknowledgement of the Lord in chapter 12 because the next eight verses here focus on dying and aging and what really starts to come into focus. We see this again by the metaphors of light and dark. There it is again. Say light and dark. Where he says before the moon, the stars and the sun become dark. And he, he's talking about death. And what, is say, what he's saying is that now that I'm old and I, I've lived this life and all that it has to offer, I, I found that it's vanity. Again, he's saying that when it's all said and done, at the end of the day, you can gain the whole world and still have nothing. Jesus says it another way in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? The broader point here, without getting into all of these analogies in chapter 12 from, from Solomon, he's saying, as he's reckoning with death, when you start to reckon, this is for us, when you start to reckon with death, it leads to an abandoned focus on your own selfish desires. It leads to an abandoning uh, abandoning the focus of achievement and pleasure, and now instead you seek what's important. You start to seek God. What does God want for my life? Friends, listen, if, if we take anything from what Solomon is saying here, is that the, the truth is that we're all going to die one day. And I'm not saying that to be morbid. We're all going to die one day, and most of us will never be as wise as Solomon. We'll never have as much money as he had. We definitely won't have as many women as he had. He had all of this and said all of it, vanity, which should make us question in 2024, what is really important? What is really important? He ends and he says in verse 7, dust or bodies return to the earth and our souls return to God, which again leaves us with a question. At the end of this life, will I be satisfied with how I lived my life? This question is the battle that each one of us have to battle with every day, especially the Christian, because the American dream tells you to seek to be like Solomon. Be like him. Get all that you can get. Be all that you can be. And Solomon says, no, all of that's vanity. I had it all. But instead, live in such a way where you always remember the Lord. When we live as one, listen to me, when we live as one who understands that you should be dead, but instead Christ died for you, when you live that way, you, where you believe in him and what he's done, you can experience life with all his freedoms. And I'm not talking about free to do whatever you want, but you experience the freedom from guilt. You experience the freedom from shame. You experience the freedom from performance and trying to prove yourself day in and day out. When we truly understand that Christ gave it all up so that we didn't have to, it allows us to live the way Solomon urges us to live in this passage. Not in a way where we feel shackled with the old ball and chain. Or in a way where we can't do anything, but in a way where we truly live life to the full. Because hear me, at the end of the day, you know why someone like Solomon can achieve the world and then say, it's all vanity? You know why? Because anything done in this life 
with some other attached motivation other than to give God glory for how good he is, it's futile. It, 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 it will never be enough. You'll always need more. The hamster wheel doesn't stop. It's like how the Energizer battery's supposed to be. It just keeps going and going. You keep going. You need more. You're never satisfied because nothing can satisfy your deepest longing like Jesus. Amen. Nothing. And I know some of us, you're not amening because you're struggling with this. And some of us, because you hear me saying, and we say this week in and week out, and, and then you're looking at, well, this is Solomon, Pastor D. It's Old Testament. This is just a character in the Bible. Let's look at somebody else that we've talked about a bit in Galatians, the Apostle Paul, another man. Who, who had really high status. He had knowledge. Philippians 3, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, Philippians 3, 3 verse 8, he says this. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. See, what most of us don't know or don't pay attention to is that Paul was the man, y'all. We think Paul was poor and this missionary dude setting up churches. No, Paul had money. He had status, Pharisee of Pharisees, zealot of zealots, Jew of Jews. Paul, how else could you go kill people that proclaim the name of Christ and not go get thrown in jail? He, he could do whatever he wanted to. Paul was the man. But you know why two men... Of this stature, Paul, and then Solomon could say, all of this is rubbish, garbage, all of it's vanity, it means nothing. It's because when you truly understand, and I mean truly understand that God has been good to you, where without God and Jesus' sacrifice on your behalf, you would have nothing. What happens is your motivation in your life turns from what satisfies me to more so what's going to satisfy God. God, what do you want me to do? How do, you, how do you want me to live my life in 2024? It's no more about, it's no more about I got to do this. I got to make this happen. It's God, what, I'm here. God, God what, where do you want me to go? Where you go? I'll, I'll lead. I, lead me, Lord. Lead me. I'll go. It's the song we just sang. I mean, some of us, if, I, some of us, if we just take a second to, or a minute just to look back over 2023, there's some stuff that's happened in your life. Well, you should not be sitting in the seat you're sitting right now. Be honest. Think about it. If I'm honest right now, my wife and I, we, we've been through some stuff. Just in the last six months where it's like, I don't even want to get out of bed. I'm, I'm good. I, no, I don't, I don't want to be here. And to be honest, some of you are right there. There's some stuff that's happened to you. You shouldn't be where you are. There's stuff that's happened to you where you shouldn't have the job that you have. Your family should not look the way it looks today. You shouldn't have the house, the cars, all of that. But God has been good. He's been good to us. And when one slows down to just look at it all, not what you didn't have and where you didn't go, 
But you look back and you say, God kept me. You realize how good God is. And when you realize that, it becomes hard to just live for yourself. You begin to be content instead of struggling for more. You, you, you start to make money, and the money no longer rules over you. You can give it freely. You, you, you steward it well. You, you begin to enjoy the wife or the husband that you have instead of looking out at everything else. You begin to truly live life the way that God planned and wanted you to live naked and unashamed. No worries. God's got me. Your priority now is, is now to run more after the things of God. What he wants instead of what I want. Family, when, when we truly live with the understanding that I'm nothing apart from Christ, and all that I have is rubbish compared to knowing him, there's freedom. There's freedom. There's freedom to live. There's freedom to cherish life the way it is meant to be lived. The Lord wants you to experience life to the full. Let me say it again. I don't want y'all to miss that. This isn't the old ball and chain. The Lord wants you to experience life to the full, but we can only do so when walking with God. All else is vanity, as the preacher says. Before I pray... I know there are some of you that are saying, well, Pastor D, I hear you, but I, I just don't, I, I don't know what that looks like. I want to start 2024 off walking with the Lord in the right way. What does it look like? Well, here's a tangible way. This is simple. This is what my wife and I, we do this every year. It's one of the things we do. Uh, we, we pick a, y'all got the Bible app on your phone? If you don't get it, it's an easy way to have a Bible. Um, we find a, a Bible in the year that we can read together. If you're married, this is a help aid for you. We read this together. If not, you do it by yourself. I used to do it by myself before I got married. And I would just read it. I, I follow that, that plan every day and I read it. Spend 30 minutes with God first thing in the morning. That's what I do. If you, you have a trouble reading in the morning, then listen to it. That's what they used to do before they read and had paper. So listen to the word of God. Meditate on the word of God. Memorize the word of God, 30 minutes. And then it gives my wife and I, for us that are married, Something to talk about later. We read through this. Is this is what I learned today in the Word of God today. That's one way. Just get you a Bible plan and walk through it. If you need a Bible, we will give you a Bible. We have one. We'll buy one for you or we'll give you one. We'll make sure you have one to study the Word well. The other thing, another thing to start the year off well, I believe it's January 15th. We're going to start a fast together. That's a good way to start the year off. And now you're like, I don't want to fast. I don't want to give up my food. That's the whole point. <laughs> you're giving up something good you're foreign, foregoing something good that God gives to us to enjoy to seek after who is ultimate that's him and so for 21 days we, we can let go of some food I'm going to do it, some of y'all get real skinny it's all good 21 days we're going to start off this year well together we're going to seek after God we're going to follow plans where they're going to be devotionals every day for those 21 days where you're not alone in this. There's churches all over the city doing it. That's a good way to start. We do that every year. 
Start a fast together. Those are just two easy ways to really refocus and recalibrate our hearts and our minds around the things of God as we start the new year. Take them, do it with us, and we'll talk about them each week together. But remember, friends, as Solomon says, all that we can gain, all that we have in this world apart from God is vanity. Let's make living for God and with God a priority in 2024. Why? Because without him, again, it's all vanity. Y'all with me? All right. I ain't that didn't sound convincing. <laughs> Y'all with me? All right, let's do this. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. You are good. You're an awesome God. We thank you for your word which is convicting but yet encouraging. God, I thank you that even in the year 2023, there are things that happened, some things we did, some things that were out of our control that made that year very hard. Even walking into a new year can seem daunting because I don't know what's ahead. But God, I pray that even in the midst of that, that we wouldn't worry about what lies ahead, that we would remember that you are with us, that you cover us and you keep us. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. May we place our faith in you, believing in you, one who's the Alpha and the Omega, who holds the whole world in his hands. And in the midst of that, may we rest. God, I pray for the person that may have never placed their faith in you. Lord, I pray even now they would confess with their mouth that Jesus you are Lord, that they would believe that you died on the cross for our sins that you went to the grave, you rose on the third day with power in your hands signifying you defeated Satan and death, you left them in the grave, you left our sin in the grave you rose to walk in newness of life, when we believe we walk in newness of life with you, you give us life abundantly, Lord I pray that as a people, not even just the one that's newly believing, but the one uh, that has been believing other spaces or other things as we run after this. God, I pray that we would just turn from those things and run after you, Lord Jesus. That you would show us the way, that you would guide our path. That we would trust you, even when it's hard. Knowing that you are good. Father, we love you. May we keep running to you day in and day out. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we all said together. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.